Hi, I'm Megan Francis. And I'm Dave Kroc. And this is the LifeWork Podcast. In this show, we'll explore what it really takes to build a business while designing a life that matters. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 17 of Life Work. I'm Megan Francis here with Dave Kroc. Hello, everyone. And today we're talking about how to crush it without crushing yourself. Brilliant. Thanks. I'm pretty proud of that title, as you can tell. Megan worked on that all day. I worked on that for all of three seconds. Um, but the, the, the reason this article, or this article, the reason this idea kind of came to mind is that um, uh, our friend Damon Brown, who writes the Sane Success column for Inc., uh, wrote a story for his column a while back, and the title is, Sacrificing Yourself for Your Business is Silly and Useless. So he obviously has no opinion. No about this at all. Um, And the subtitle is business leadership sometimes requires losing personal comfort, but sacrificing your essentials often does more damage than good. And I think we've touched on this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we've touched on this a few different ways. Right. But we haven't devoted a whole... No. And being as our whole show is about the intersection of life and work and how to have a great life while also having a successful business, I think it's something that definitely um, deserves a whole... A whole episode. Yeah, this is the this is the quintessential life work episode. This is sort of the whole point, right? This I is, think after this is this, why we're here. We keep saying after like every episode, we can just be done. Just hang it up. But do we just keep coming back? Yeah. So, um, well, well, and people want to hear more. They do, they do, and that's nice to know. So, I guess, Dave, I'm going to throw this at you mm-hmm. um, and just ask you your opinion because I think I know what you're going to say. But do you think burnout is the necessary price we must pay for success? Hmm. Is burnout the necessary price? We must pay for success. Um, no, I think that's what. No way! You didn't think I was going to say that, right? <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's. I, I think I think we let's talk a little bit about hero worship because yes. I, I think this is an important point to make. There are a number of people out there, authors, um, people that have video shows online, or people that a lot of people follow online. And I mean, let's not beat around the bush. We're obviously referring to Crush It, which I think was the term coined by Gary Vaynerchuk. Sure, right? sure. Yeah. And Gary Gary is a guy that has really crushed it. I mean, yeah. he has worked his tail off and he's got he's got a massive goal in mind which I think pushes him even beyond what he's doing now. So he had the uh, he worked for his family's wine shop. Right. Their their booze booze shop and he actually started an internet TV show called Wine Library TV um, to try and help sell more of the wines from their shop online. And it was uh, it was a raving success. It was one of the first internet TV shows, so to speak, or or um, sort of uh, video shows that you could watch online. And um, from there, he just started growing it. And then he started to tell other people how to do it. And so he started writing books and articles and things like that. And uh, eventually, he wrote a book that is one of my favorites. I love I love this book. It's called Crush It. It's basically how to take something that you are passionate about, like he was wine. And develop a business around that where you are an expert and okay. utilizing different different media forms to do that. So whether it's the written word, whether it's uh, voice like we do here with the podcast. I just got, this is a selfie situation here. I just took here. a picture of Dave and threw him totally off. But. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's that picture where everybody looks like they're like halfway through either <laughs> some form of bathroom situation or... Um, or, yeah. No, you look a lot better than oh, that. Oh, good. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. So I, that's a train of thought that just got just got <laughs> burned. 
<laughs> so so Gary Gary wrote this great book about Crush It. So so whether you're using audio, video, or the written word, you can actually just enjoy the thing that you enjoy most. Write about it. Tell other people how to enjoy it, and then the people that do enjoy that same subject kind of gather around you, sort of in the um, the the vein of the the article by Kevin Kelly, One Thousand True Fans, which premise of which is if you can actually find a thousand people that will buy everything you put out consume everything you write or create that you've got a market for yourself that you can build things for that they will eventually buy so so with this book crush it he was talking about how people can take their passion and how do they can how they can cash in on their passion, on their passion. yes you see how that goes yeah so and the and uh, and crushing it is basically the term that means just you're just rocking it out right so right. you're going a long ways but quite often a lot of the things that Gary will say about the process of getting to places is going above and beyond, working all hours, mm-hmm. doing whatever it takes to get there. And realistically, I agree with him. There is a period of time that where you are either you're just starting out or you're trying to accomplish a major goal or you are kind of in that phase where just sheer work ethic will actually help differentiate you for a period of time. Key words being a period, a period of, of time, time. Yeah. Um, that it can really be beneficial to you. However, over the course of a lifetime, unless you're planning on only living a short period of time, if you're not taking <laughs> short care- yet incredibly successful period of time, like, man, he was on fire for <laughs> literal minutes. Look at that guy go. Um, and, and I'm sure Gary would say the same thing. You have to take care of yourself. Right. And if you're taking care of yourself, then you can do the crushing uh, during during that period of time. However, yeah. most of us don't think that way. Right. We just get to the crushing. And then next thing you know, we are crushed. Yes. So Well, and I, I think, you know, I've used Gary um, Vaynerchuk as a as an example. Just even in some of our private conversations, I, I yeah. sent you one of his Facebook ads that keeps popping up on my feed recently where it was like something about work ethic and crushing yeah. your business and in the picture he just looks really tired and sad and we, I was trying to figure out if that was a conscious choice to make himself look kind of like really weary yeah. yeah, or if it was just a, a cool picture I don't know um, I've been following him probably it was since Wine Library TV uh, it's been a long time I've been following yeah. him since maybe 2008 or so and um, I think his tone on that has gotten a little more cranky lately hmm. like a little I feel like he's kind of really upped that message of working really hard. And I, I kind of think some of it's a response to anytime there's people having success in one area, there's the gold rush, right? There's right. the people who come in early and work really, really hard and kind of create something that then other people can take advantage of. Right. And I think the internet and you know getting making money on the internet has actually become, um, has been now for a while, this sort of gold rush situation. And I think he's probably getting frustrated with people who think they can come in, throw a few hours at something because they've read you know, not, maybe not even the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, but just are co- familiar with the idea that there's such a thing right. and think that they can come in and crush it without really putting in the work necessary mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, some of his messaging has gotten a little cantankerous in response to those young people coming in and thinking, you know, that they can... That it's easy. That they, Yes, that it's easy. Or that they can just kind of figure out a formula, hit the button, and then it's going to happen. And... You know, I think so. There is a lot of value and validity to that because, especially when you're young, especially when you're 20s, that is the time, you know, to to really work hard and set yourself up. Um, but at the same time, it's not realistic long term, and even for that level of crushing it, mm-hmm. isn't necessarily um, isn't necessarily like doable for the long haul. And sometimes people come into their businesses and are already in a family situation or already have like a lot of other things going on in their lives that they can't just 
you know, light a match behind them and walk away and be like, well, first family, right. sorry. Right. <laughs> I'm going to just go to work now. So right. I think there's always, I'm always looking for, I guess, the variables mm-hmm. and something that's that simplistic always is going to get under my skin because I'm sure. like, yeah, but what about the people who already have kids or are married or are paying off debt and or, you know, or whatever yeah. it is that they're doing when they're starting this business? What's the realistic what does crush it look like for those people? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is it can look like a lot of different things. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think the the idea of being able to find hacks, find shortcuts, find um, the 80-20 rule type activities that you can focus on that will advance things much further is, is definitely an amazing way to go. And I think a lot of it depends on what you want to do. Gary Vaynerchuk is hustling his tail off right now because he has a pro football team he wants to buy at some point in time. So he's got this giant goal ahead of him that he is progressing towards through all the things that he is doing. He really wants to help people out. He's a very genuine guy. And at the same time, he's got a big goal that he's after. So Mm -hmm. he's still on the path. So for him, I think that's that's part of what drives him to some extent. And yeah, I I definitely think a lot of his... his, um, extreme emphasis on hard yeah. work and and hustling is mm-hmm. is definitely a reaction to that. I, I think a lot of people look for the silver bullet, right? Right. They're looking for the silver bullet solution and and it doesn't it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um most often you don't get an opportunity to be the second employee at Apple and and just ride that out. Yeah. Um so and, and but even then that's a lot of hard work. Well, and let's look even at that. You know, we talked about hero worship and the sort of online guru uh world that we kind of Mm -hmm. circle around and it is kind of evident because I've run into a lot of um, people who seem very successful or present this sort of look or feeling of success but if you really dig you can tell it's built on a house of cards there's nothing supporting it there's there's really no business under it right it's just you know kind of a reputation or Mm -hmm. an idea that this is who this person is and I'm sure that's a lot of his frustration too because um, in fact I, I should try to find this rant on Facebook that I thought was really entertaining and um, a lot of it was very true. And he was saying, I want to, I want to kind of teach myself out of a job. Like I don't want you coming back to me for the rest of your business life. Right. Trying to get my advice. I want you to take what I've said or done and, and work and take action and then not need me anymore. Not need me. And I think his, he was also maybe reacting a little to um, these gurus who come out of nowhere and then are kind of teaching something they don't actually there's nothing on, there's no substance there. Mm-hmm. And and you have a really good point that Gary in particular has a very specific, huge goal. People like him are unusual in a lot of ways. He's unusually energetic. Yep. He's unusually driven mm-hmm. and he's unusually successful. So let's talk about that. Like maybe there's such a thing as just being ordinarily successful. There's a lot of people. Usual success. Who have just achieved ordinary yet very fulfilling levels of success. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot of that in our area, local businesses that are great, but they're never going to become big corporations. They're, they are what they are and that's fine. That's a great goal. You know, sometimes small is beautiful Yeah, and small is relative too. I think, I think there are many people out there as solopreneurs or, um, people that might want to get into business or people that might be working a job now and have thought about, boy, what would it be like to have my own gig or to be able to design the lifestyle that I'm look that I want in so the very simple math if you save a hundred bucks a month and receive a normal return on the stock market for your entire 40 50 year working career 
the math works out at the end, you are a millionaire. Yeah. Right? So if if the goal is something as nebulous as I want to be a millionaire, get to it. Right. Sock away that 100 bucks. Do whatever you got to do for the working years of your life. There you are, right? Unless there's some catastrophic, catastrophic event or you happen to be needing to pull your entire life savings out in September of 2008, you know, that there usually you're going to have success over the long haul by doing things in a, in a consistent manner that produces replicable results Mm -hmm. over time. So you can get there. But I think a lot of people think it's got to be this superstar kind of scenario, right? You have to do, and this, this is sort of the, the hero worship that's going on in Silicon Valley, right? The, People are building businesses not for the underlying business anymore. They're building businesses simply to exit. Yeah. Simply to exit. Simply to become something that is attractive enough to an acquirer who is hungry Mm -hmm. for that kind of either its team or product or something like that. And I think that becomes the, the way that it is done here, quote unquote. And I think a lot of people are building with the wrong solution in mind and so but there are people day to day who over the course of time are continually growing what they do they're offering great value to people and they end up with a business they can sell for 10 million bucks yeah when they retire yeah um if they do it the right way but mm-hmm. but 95 percent of businesses fail within 15 years yeah and i think a lot of people when they approach life with the perspective that i'm going to do something that is great i'm going to build something that is mine we don't always go into that and follow that path in a way that we're taking care of ourselves. And so we do end up actually giving up on it or we do end up saying it's not worth it. I'm just going to go back and do this other thing over here because we don't, we don't have anything left. The relationships are gone, right? The, um, some catastrophic thing has happened in our lives or we, our health is, is ruined. So now that we've gotten to the point where we can enjoy it a little more, we don't really have the capacity to enjoy it. Um, I had a great conversation last night. I want to talk about margin. Okay. Putting margin into your life. You you use a different word. I use um, white space. Right. But think of it the same the same way. Right. So this is this is room around the stuff we do. Right. So very often we can just schedule our fill our schedules up with all sorts of things to do personal professional whatever and there's never any space and I hear a lot of people talk about this this phrase brain space mm-hmm. I just need more brain space or I just need some some downtime or I need to decompress or I need to get away and blah 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 blah. And then when we go away, it takes us three to four days to even get right. to the point where we're able to enjoy it. And to me, that's that underlying just kind of seething scenario is rampant in society today, and especially in the areas of the entrepreneur and people working for themselves. And th- so my friend and I were having a great conversation last night. We're sitting out back of a local brewery, and we were the only ones there having having a brew, having some great food. And we, we got around to the idea. I asked him, so he just turned 31. He turns 31 today, in fact. And I asked him, so when you're 39 turning 40, where are you, what are you doing, and why, why was this decade awesome? And one of the things he mentioned to me was he wanted to get to, to, at the end of the decade, and just in general in his life, be able to look back and say, I've built in margin in my life so I could actually enjoy things. And one of the, one of the subjects we talked about is think about when somebody goes through a near-death scenario or they lose a loved one, God forbid, or something from a health standpoint goes wrong, when people, they look back and they think about the simple things. They say, I wish I could just have coffee with my wife one more time. I wish Mm -hmm. I could just, you know, 
sit and enjoy time with this person or appreciate some small thing. They don't think I want, I wish I could go back and build that company again right. or, or take, take someone on this magical vacation of, you know, weeks and weeks and that kind of, they think about the small things and all those small things are available to us right now. Right. All that stuff is available to us day to day to day. And if you think about when people are going through these scenarios where they're like, oh my God, everything really snaps into focus. What's mm-hmm. really important is really important and all the other stuff that isn't suddenly goes away. What are the things they're thinking about? They're thinking about day-to-day life. They're thinking about simple things. So the simple premise of enjoying when you have are having a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or some um, enjoyable experience where you've got a little bit of free time or building that into your schedule, right. having downtime. I've got another friend who's got a great practice. Uh, he's in the, the healthcare space, but frequently you can find him or when we talk on the phone, he's, he's fishing in the river. He's doing mm. fly fishing. Middle of the day, he just builds in an hour or two and he goes and he does that. Right. And he's he's learned to build that margin into his time. And I'll tell you what, he's real clear when it when it comes time to for me to ask him a question about what does he think about X, Y, or Z. He's got some really clear thinking because he's built that margin in. So now the rest of his life is so much more productive. You know, I always think it's, it's interesting, um, and I struggled with this for quite a while as an entrepreneur, that I felt like... It was playing hooky. I'm using quotes. You yeah. can't see it. Air quotes. If I air quotes, um, if I say took a two hour lunch or, you know, knocked off and went to the beach on a Tuesday or whatever. And finally I had to realize like no one's I don't have to work nine to five. Right. That's the whole point. That's why, you know, what do we want? Freedom. When do we want it? At a time of our choosing. Right. Right. So yeah. It's, yeah. So choose it. So choose it. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be. But I think when we think that every hour has to be given up to work, um, then you lose that ability right. to have the margin. And that's kind of the other side, right? So you've got the people who are like four hour work week, um, trying to like really scale down to that and maybe are successful at that, that maybe not. And then there's the people who think that crushing it is you know, again, I'm going to use air quotes, working for 14 mm-hmm. hours a day. Mm-hmm. But how much work can you really get done before? I mean, there's been research that you basically just kind of zone out oh, after yeah. an extended period of work. You can't yeah. really maintain focus. So maybe, you know, crushing it could also look like working really hard and really effectively for a shorter day mm-hmm. and building in that margin or, you know, allowing yourself the freedom to, if you're the kind of person who gets like a little, brain uh you know like a little boost of brain power at nine o'clock it's it's okay to work then if you right if that means then you get to have a long lunch or absolutely have the coffee with your wife or whatever yeah yeah think, think about this and, and this i'm gonna this is i'm talking out of my own autobiography here but i know a lot of other people can relate to this you're going on vacation you're leaving tomorrow you're wrapping up everything with the work side and things you need to do and pack and blah blah think about the extreme productivity that occurs in the last eight hours oh, of the yeah. day before or the, the the two hours immediately preceding leaving. Oh, yeah. Think about that. Like we can get amazing amounts of things done when we have only a little time to do it and we've got to make sure the priorities are there. Yeah. And and things do den, tend to kind of work out. Yeah. I know I, I worry about when I go away on vacation and worry about things come back. I come back, nobody's missed me. <laughs> right. Right? Yes. Oh, there was a couple things here, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, great, great. And, and then there's a there's a pile of emails. Yeah. There's some phone messages and stuff like that. Again, nothing catastrophic. Yeah. That's, things move slowly, it. more slowly than we think yeah. they do, especially yeah. when there's other humans involved. Right. You know, but every time that there's like another... Um, 
that your system or your business relies on other humans to take care of any other tasks and then communicate them back to you, that's always going to be slower than what in your deadline oriented brain believes, right. you know, to For be sure. the case. So, but let's talk about that. You know, we we're talking about a couple episodes ago, episode 15, we talked about taking vacations and making yourself fireable. Um, and a lot of that is working hard because if you work really hard at the beginning, you could set up the systems that put you in the place where you can work less hard later. Right. And, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording about how a lot of people never do that, not because they're lazy, but because they either don't know how or don't feel like they can take away from what they're currently doing to set the systems up. So it doesn't say just keep working hard. They're harder than they have to hard work. Yeah. You know, for an extended period of time when they could have really buckled down, gotten the systems in place. Yep. And I'm guilty, totally guilty of that. And myself. I am as well. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you a recent story along those lines. Um, at one of my businesses, got a, a director, so he, he runs an entire business unit. We're meeting. And at the end of the meeting, he says, oh, you know, so-and-so that, that works for me, you know, it's they've been here another year. It's a good time to do a review for them. Mm-hmm. And so we have this process in our business where I provide the information about who's due reviews at what point in time, and I provide the actual reviewing paperwork and stuff yeah. like that and and give it to the that person who is their supervisor, and they do that process and get it back to me, and we figure out if there's going to be a raise or things like that, and then, and then it's done. Well, <laughs> so here's, here's how this process went down. He said, so-and-so is due review, and I said, okay. So I go to my computer. I print off the generic review form. Uh-huh. I handwrite at the top of the page this person's name, the department, and the time frame that they're being reviewed for. Hand it to him. Oh, wait, I've got to go get a staple. So I staple this together and I hand it to him, right? And then he goes and he does this thing. And, and I think to myself, wait a second. How, uh, how long have I been doing that? Do I, am I even <laughs> necessary to this process? So I, do I have to be the one that has the stapler? Do I have to be the one with the stapler? It's so, it sounds so inane, but, no, but, I know. but the premise is, is this is a small scenario of the same premise and, and gets bigger and bigger. So I, I tossed, we, I, we joked about it and I laughed and kind of pointed out the process and I tossed the, the review paperwork towards him and he's got a list of who's now do reviews at what period of time he's got right. the review paperwork. So now instead of me having to trigger that process and being a bottleneck in that process and having to use my time, keep in mind that business has got 55 employees. Right. Right. If it takes me five minutes every time to do one of those. Right. And the same process on the other end to handle the second part of that. So 10 minutes, right? That's 550 minutes a year, Imagine right? Imagine what you could get done. That's almost 10 hours yeah. of time, me doing some dumb task that I shouldn't even be involved with. Right. So multiply that by something even more important. How often are we, as we go about our day-to-day, we're kind of leafing through stuff and we're not tackling the most important things. We don't have really good personal systems for making sure we're staying on task. Think about how many increments of five minutes like that occur. Oh gosh. Yeah. So do we have an entire couple weeks, three weeks, four weeks, 10 weeks of, of work that we do on a regular basis? It isn't even necessary. And can we build that back in by, by taking the time that is necessary to get that into a more systematized fashion? Can we recoup all that time? I look at it like an investor, like a return on investment. So a lot of what I do is I invest in a new company or I launch something and put a certain amount of money in. And I, I keep real close track of how much return are we getting year after year on that initial startup capital that I put in. Do I track how often that when I implement a system or change something so that somebody else can do it instead of me? Right. How much time I get back? I should. There's a, there's a metric there that is something that is incredibly valuable 
Training for employees is another great one, right? If you can take your top leaders, bring them together, and you spend, say, say you do six hours of training, two hours over a period of three days, right? And then you spend, oh, three, four hours, maybe six hours doing, putting together the training. You spent 12 hours training those people, right? If they go off and are 10% more productive, and the average person is making $35,000, dollars $50,000 a year, think about the return on that right. to the business immediately. Yeah. 12 hours equals that return. Right. This, th- we, can, we can apply this same principle. So this is the four-hour workweek principle, right? It's increasing our per-hour output. What actually ends up happening because of us or because of something we've built, in, and then that, that output is growing in speed or velocity or more is getting done, but we are not doing more. Right. So it, it is not a matter of working harder. It's a matter of working smarter. So the, the, anal- the uh, cliche kind of comes right. into play there. But if we do that more often and we take advantage of maybe of some of the technology that is out there to do so, or it, it really is about self-discipline too, because if I actually take the time to sit down and write out a process that I do that somebody else could do, and especially if there's somebody already ready and willing to do that, I'm saving those increments of 10, 15, 20 minutes at a time aggregate over the course of the year. I've got another vacation. Right. Right? Yeah. Just like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny you're talking about that. And I was thinking all you would really have to do is send an email, just email that form or whatever. I mean, it's sometimes it's literally. Yeah. I don't, I'm, actually, I'm not even, in the course of an entire year, if that form is in a PDF. Right. And the supervisor prints that out and does yes. the review and just turns it into me when it's done. Right. And they have a list of all their employees. Yeah. Multiply that by department. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you would only have to send one email ever. You would just have to ever. email the form. Yes. <laughs> then he has it. Yes. That's all you would ever have to Every do. Every time you hire somebody, write yeah. down, you know, obviously there's HR right. processes and people to handle that stuff too. But at the same time, all of those little increments. And, yeah. And I think there's there's some fantastic books out there and, and resources on how to implement these systems in your life. One that I just got done reading, and I read it while I was on vacation. It's actually over there on the conference table. It's uh, Work the System by Sam Carpenter. Mm-hmm. It's all about that systems mindset. And that if we really think about our day-to-day life, we actually do operate in a very systematic way. We just don't acknowledge it right. or optimize it. Yeah. And when we actually get that and start to think about those systems and optimize them, we actually can create a massive amount of freedom for ourselves because we're not as necessary. Yeah. You know, it, and I think sometimes the tools that we have around us, even our, our surroundings can be set up. Um, this is just making me think of the fact that for whatever reason, I'm not even sure why, in my home office... Um, my printer is like in a different room. Uh-huh. I don't print that often. Right. 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 But every time I print something, I either have to yell for a kid to get it off the printer and bring it to me, which <laughs> I do, by the way, or I have to get up and walk into the other room and get it. And then half the time I get there and it turns out there wasn't any paper in the printer. And now I have to put paper in the printer and then wait for it to print. Just a stupid little thing that never really seems like that big of a deal. But it's like how many of those are in your are in your life right now? In your working you know, career. In your working, yeah. yeah. And in your space or whatever that's just not functional or it's just not optimal. Yep. And it wouldn't, it would take me, I could go home right now. In yep. fact, I should. I should go home. I'm leaving. That, that's <laughs> Going it. home we're right now. Here. But I mean, when we're done recording, go home, find a space for the printer near my computer and put it there. I should Boom. have done that year, years ago. Right. 
You're saving yourself. You two, just get three, used four, to you get minutes. used to sometimes yeah. dysfunction. Dysfunction. And it becomes normal. Yeah, it becomes and, normal. And sometimes we get we get a little hopped up on our ability to handle the dysfunction. That's as true too. So we we draw a little bit of a high from hey, stuff's going wrong. I need to react and right. I need to be able to be flexible and handle all these things. We're we're not we're not firemen and firewomen right. here. We, <laughs> yeah. We've created these fires. Right. Right. We're we're we're, we're it's this circle of of inefficiency where we're, you know we're inefficient and we're creating a fire and then we got to put the fire out and justify our our existence yes. and and we're just in this this yeah. wheel and we never escape that it's why not be fire prevention experts yeah and so we've got all of this freedom to to deal with so on the same lines as the printer i do this with chargers i have a laptop for my laptop i have i bought three extra chargers three extra ad- ac adapters and i yeah. put them in the four places, basically the original one and the other three, in the four places I ever just about put my laptop when I work. Mm-hmm. I never have to get out and put together the charger. Right. Um, do the same thing with iPhone chargers for my iPhone. There's one right at every major place. The place I sit when I read, the place yeah. near the bed, the place near all the desks. There's one right there. And everyone's like, why would you spend the extra 15 bucks a pop to do it? Think about how, how often... Yeah. You've got a, we're fishing for chargers and yeah. oh, you know, it just like it breaks the concentration or whatever. Yeah. So just in small ways, we can we can just kind of tweak things along yeah. those lines. Yeah, totally agreed. Um, and now I'm coming up with, you know, in my mentally, I'm coming up with all these things I can do to improve my space. Absolutely. Buy me back a whole bunch of hours. That's exactly. With it. which I can crush it. With which you can without crush it. crushing myself. Without crushing yourself. And that's the premise. <laughs> that's the premise. Um, before we wrap up, I think we should talk about. First of all, the idea of work-life balance, because mm-hmm. I know there's some discussion. Is that even a thing? Is it a myth? Yep. And then what are our non-negotiables? Uh, maybe we could even just end there. Sounds good. So, all right. So let's talk about work-life balance. I have for a long time said that I think the idea of balance, and I'm not even just talking about work-life, but you know, sometimes when you also are, also are adding in kids and other things, other family members, it it's more complicated than that. It's work-life, home, family, like you have all these balls. But I've for a long time now thought that the idea of balance is a myth because I think the the way we define balance is erroneous. Mm. We tend to look at it as like, is this day balanced? Did I balance this day? You mm-hmm. know, did I get up and I do yoga at my conference on the conference? I have so many pictures um, that I found in like iStock photo mm-hmm. when I was looking for slides for a presentation I gave on work-life balance and it would be like someone doing yoga in the middle of a conference table just cheesy crap like that because that happens because that totally that's how you get balance right that's right um that every day has to be perfectly kind of laid out that way and I think Mm -hmm. for most of us it's just not realistic because business is different every day Mm -hmm. families are different every day life is different every day so I don't know what do you think yeah I think I think the operative word in the whole thing is balance and it's not that version of it it's the active word. It's balancing. Right. So it's it's never always, it's never balanced, right? You might have a day in which if you've got five responsibilities, 20% of your day down to the second was actually right. balanced. Um, but then there's sleep and then there's right. the other things, right? So I don't. we are never actually balanced, quote unquote. But we if we do a good job of balancing, right. keeping prior, sometimes, it. why would you have things that are non-priority be balanced? Right. In equation with things that are priority. We right. should be out of balance. It's just what we sh- what we need to focus on needs to be, first and foremost, our priorities. And it will change from day to day. It'll right. change from time to time. So I think to me, the 
the idea of work-life balance in the idea of the yoga on the conference table and having everything just flow the way it should flow, we're, we're in love with that idea as a society, mm-hmm. which is not bad altogether because we're thinking about it. Right. We're thinking about how we can move in that direction and improve in that way. But I think the idea of ever achieving that it's it, this is this is one of those scenarios where the journey is definitely better than the destination because yeah. we never do get to the destination. On You're that. right. But we make the journey easier by thinking about well, how can we be more balanced or how can we think about the things that might be not right in front of us. And so we're not as easy, easily mm. distracted by them. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Sometimes the harder things are the things that aren't that have to be sought out. I think that for me as well, I'm always looking at the big picture. And so I'm never looking at a day or even a week, really. I'm kind of looking at, you know, looking back over like a quarter. Mm-hmm. Do I feel like I tended to the things that needed to be tended to? And if things got out of whack, did I correct? Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with kids. And I've, you know, I know a lot of working parents, especially working moms, feel like uh, they're never fully present at one place or the other. Like when they're at work, they think they should be with their kids. When they're with their kids, they think they should be at work. And the way I kind of look at it is I can only, like you've said before, priority is a one is one thing. Your priority is one. There's right. really, you can't really have more than one priority at one, any given time. And so I've had to decide like sometimes work is my priority mm-hmm. and I just have to make, the more I embrace that and just dive in and say, maybe this is going to be the week I work like crazy because I just have to, mm-hmm. the easier it is for me then the next week to switch back mm-hmm. and make, family my priority or whatever else personal life or whatever else it is and you know sometimes you have those weeks where you work out every single day and it's great and then something falls you know a wheel falls off the bus and Mm -hmm. you miss a week Mm -hmm. and if we look at that in a defeatist way right the balance is gone we tend to give up we tend to give give up up. yeah but instead if you can just say okay things don't feel right i'm looking around and and my family's out of balance we haven't eaten dinner together in you know two weeks or you know i'm letting this uh, client email pile up and I really need to deal with that, you can course correct. But you can only do that, like you said, if you look at it as a verb, yeah, as a process, not something you either have or you don't have. Yeah, it's not balance, it's balancing. Yeah. We need to focus on balancing. Yeah, for sure. Well, so let's talk about the non-negotiables. Yeah. Um, personally, I think the non-negotiables are taking care of yourself. Mm. You, are the, you are the person that has the capacity to get done what you want to get done. Um, I think we often think about the things we want to have and we're goal setting. Um, but to get the things we want to have, we have to do certain things. But if those things are things we've never done before, or they're going to require a lot of us, it's more about the person we are. We have to be the person that does the things to achieve what we want to achieve. And so who we are taking care of ourselves is probably one of the single biggest things you can do. Cause I think burnout, especially in today's society. So we are a society that is not hydrated. We, we are not, we do not have ample sleep. We do not eat well. Mm. We don't move. And we don't do a good job of handling all of the inputs that come in in, in modern day society. Mm-hmm. Until we're doing all those things well, I don't think we have a leg to stand on to say it's all too much. Right. Well, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, so let's tackle those one at a time. So sleep, huge, huge. The physiological aspects of what's actually happening when we're sleeping, how our brain is being restored, how our body is being restored, what that means for the next day, how, what that means just in, in, in all the different areas. Ar- Ariana Huffington is a great uh, um, 
example she wrote she she found sleep to be so important and that her career in life almost took a major turn because of lack of sleep that she wrote a book about it mm-hmm. and her book is a, a is a good resource for that um hydration is another one this is one that i think is is relatively undervalued we definitely think about eating right we think about exercise right. and and sleep kind of gets put in there um, we don't do it well, but I think we, we value sleep. But one thing I think we don't value as a society is hydration. Mm. Um, and with, with as much of our body is actually made of water. Right. When you think about how little we actually consume, consume yeah. how, how little of our actual capacity are we actually achieving? Can I say actual one more time? You actually probably could. <laughs> well, and actually. <laughs> and actually. Uh, when I think, again, it, it comes down to that putting out fires, that urgency thing. We think we're so busy that we don't have time to walk to the sink or the cooler. Right. And get a glass of water or go to the bathroom or make a phone call to schedule our checkup or right. tooth cleaning or, or whatever it is. Just, you know, it's not even like we're just fooling. Our, I think sometimes we're just fooling ourselves. Yes. But sometimes you just get so head down in something that's maybe not even product, like very productive anymore mm-hmm. because you've already tapped out yeah. mentally, but you just kind of keep, you know, you just keep running on the wheel and yeah. then you don't take care of the things that really matter. So uh, those are two great non, those are two great non-negotiables, sleep and hydration. At what least else you got? Sleep and hydration. Um, and, and on the hydration end, I, the, the metric that I've heard is a good one as a benchmark is half your body weight in ounces. Okay. Um, at least that's the one I, I use. Okay. Half your body weight in ounces. I think a lot of people, there's the, the general eight ounces of, right. or eight glasses of water, however big Yeah, I've always is. heard 64, but I would need to drink more than that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And me too. I would definitely need to drink more than that. Um, and so I, I, I think that's, that's a key. The, the food one is another one because I, I think a lot of us, and, and I think Damon mentioned this in his article, um, sacrificing yourself oh, yeah. for your business is silly and useless. Um, the not eating at all is truly a recipe for disaster and the older we get the less our bodies will tolerate the stress of mm-hmm. not eating at all and that that's the words specifically out of his article definitely encourage people to check that article out we'll have it in the show notes um and not even just food and i think his greater point is also the process of sitting down across from someone and breaking bread right it's different yes. than just consuming right you know nutrients yep yep <laughs> yeah. it takes you out of that hyper focus of right. working hard mm-hmm. you know and we get a better perspective and i, I think uh, to me i think the ideal scenario is somebody that works really well really really focused for five hours a day and has a break in between somewhere in the middle of that and has two giant chunks of really productive deep work and i think the, I, I think we're finding we're probably losing in the margins. Yeah. Like when we work eight or nine hours, the the seventh, eighth, and ninth hour are really not that productive. Yeah. Going back to the analogy of you've, you're leaving on vacation in six hours, how much do you get done during that time frame, right? I, I think really what we should be doing is focusing more on the, the whole kind of balance of us as a resource yeah. and taking care of ourselves. I totally agree. And I, I think, again, it's it's looking at things creatively and um not buying into systems that don't necessarily even work. What is magical about nine to five? Just right. because someone said that was going to be yeah. the hours that, you know, American humans work. Uh, that doesn't mean that's the hours you should work. That doesn't mean it's right. the most productive or efficient way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're, I think if I can get in a good solid four to six hours in a work day, I can get a lot done. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. And to me, that feels like my version of crushing it. <laughs> oh man yeah. yeah yeah absolutely there there's a really cool 
Um, I like the audiobook version of it. It's it's called Daily Rituals. Okay. And it's all about the daily rituals of amazing creative people, Pablo Picasso, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Bach, and other people that we've just thought about as being these amazing producers of stuff, of good stuff that we love um, for centuries, right? And um, it, it, the whole book is, the only thing it describes about each person is what some of their daily routines are. And it is very frequently the case that these people are only working mm-hmm. from two to five hours a day. Yeah. And it's the, at these weird times right. and they're taking a lot of time for leisure, a lot of time to think, mm-hmm. a lot of walks, a lot of walks these people are yes. taking for hours at a time. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then, and then hyper-focusing for a, a concentrated period of time on their work. Nothing happens in a vacuum. And the more, I think the more leisure time you spend, the more relationships, you know, that you can, or at least the more fulfilling, not everyone wants more uh, relationships, so the more fulfilling your relationships are, the more you read or consume media the way of whatever way, good media, whatever way that you consume it, um, podcasts, podcasts, hint, 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 hint. Um, I just, it makes you a more interesting person and I think it just makes you better poised to do good business because you can't. You can't create and innovate and think if there's nothing good coming in. Right. So. Yeah. So to sum up, burnout is not absolutely 100% not the price that is necessary to achieve success. No. 100%. All right. I think our work is done here, Dave. That's right. Well, thanks, everyone. You can find the um, show notes for this episode and all of our episodes at lifeworkpodcast.com. You can also find us on iTunes and a lot of other, I guess, every other. Well, I don't know. I can't say every other place with confidence. Pretty much every other place that you can listen to podcasts. We're oh, there. yeah. It's so out there. Find us. Um, leave us a rating or review. It really helps us out. And drop us a line if you want to let us know what you'd like us to talk about. Uh, it's hello at lifeworkpodcast.com. Or you can always leave a comment on one of the show notes as well. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Life Work Podcast. Build your business and design your life with us every day, Monday through Friday. And find us at lifeworkpodcast.com.